0: Dear friends, we are happy to welcome you at the Creative Society Global Talk on Education Project. This is the series of live broadcasts on Alatra TV. And it is my true pleasure to introduce our today's guest. Today we are communicating with Professor Andreas Schleicher. Let me introduce our guests right away. Professor Schleicher is the Director for Education and Skills and Special Advisor on Education Policy to the Secretary General at the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, in Paris. He initiated and oversees the Program for International Student Assessment, PISA, and other international instruments that have created a global platform for policymakers, researchers, and educators across nations and cultures to innovate and transform educational policies and practices. Professor Flecha. Warm welcome on Alatra TV. Thanks so much for hosting me. Thank you, sir. And for those who has just joined us and watching us for the first time, just a couple of words about International Public Movement Alattra and how we envision what the Creative Society is. International Public Movement Alatra is an association of active and honest people who inspire to use their best human qualities for the benefit of the whole society. It's a new format of relationships, regardless of nationalities, cultures, political and religious views. For us, the creative society is the society where the life of every person is the man of value, where people can manifest their best human qualities for the benefit of the whole society. This is the society where everyone cares about the society and the society cares about each human. So once again, everyone welcome and we begin. Professor Fleher, let me ask you the first question that we always ask our speakers. How do you personally envision the society where you personally, your loved ones and all other people in the world would feel and live comfortably and happily? Can you describe it for us, please?
1: It's a society where we can develop ourselves, where we are aware of ourselves but also aware of the people around us, aware of the needs of the planet. Uh, Living comfortably means being aware and being able to develop and uh, use our full potential to uh, move the world forward.
0: Fantastic. And then education. How do you envision the development of education and science. From your point of view, how will these two areas work in the creative society?
1: Well, I think education will move from having students being passive consumers to students being active learners. The kind of things that are easy to teach, easy to test, they're also easy to digitize, to automate, to outsource these days The world no longer rewards people just for what they know. Google knows everything. The world rewards people for what they can do with what they know. Can you think for yourself? Can you work with others? Can you work with people who think differently from you? Can you engage with different ways of thinking, different ways of working? Uh, I think the education of the future will need to pay much greater attention to what makes us human. You know, in the past, Our education systems became quite good in educating second-class robots, you know, people who are very good to repeat what we tell them. But now we have technology that does it much better. And I think artificial intelligence and technology push us to think much harder of what it means to be human. And I do think that's really the heart of the future of education.
0: It's a fantastic answer and I want to continue in this regard to ask you another question. Uh, On the website of OECD.org, it says that PISAM is the OECD's program for international student assessment. PISAM measures 15-year-olds' ability to use their reading, mathematics and science knowledge and skills to meet real-life challenges. From your point of view, how important in the modern society and, of course, in schools to raise the questions and to teach also students to human and moral values and basically to fundamental human values? What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, the future of education is about Teaching fewer things at greater depths, and I don't think uh, it means replacing, you know, science and mathematics and reading, but uh, when you think about a subject like science, for example, in PISA, we focus less on, you know, whether students know a specific component of physics and chemistry, uh, we assess whether they can think like a scientist. You know, Can you design an experiment? Can you distinguish questions that are scientifically investigable from those that are not? Can you develop an hypothesis? I think that is what, what, what uh, our work is focused on. When you think about history, you know, history is not about memorizing names and places. It's about understanding how the narrative of a society has emerged, how it has developed, advanced. Sometimes how it unravels when the context changes. So we are focusing very much when we talk about the disciplines, we talk, uh, focus very much on the underlying paradigms of the disciplines rather than on the surface content, which changes very quickly. But we are also trying to look beyond that. Uh, uh, we look at the capacity of students to creatively use and apply what they know in novel situations. In fact, for students in Ukraine, that's proved to be the most difficult tasks where we ask them not to sort of work in a familiar context, but where we ask them, you know, think what, use what you do in a novel situation. But in in a way, you know, that is what the world
0: Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's what the world really expects from people. But I also want to, you know, highlight the growing importance of social and emotional skills, curiosity, courage, leadership, empathy. They're harder to grasp, harder to capture, harder to measure, but they're not as important. And I do think we, in, when it comes to evaluating success in education, we shouldn't just focus on what is easy to measure, but we need to focus on what is important for human success in the world in which we live now.
0: I totally agree with you, totally agree. And Please share with us. Um, uh, you do have results. How students all over the world, you know, take PISA. Their results, you envision like what can be done. You're doing recommendations for the governments. What can be improved? Please share it with us your personal opinion. What is right now the most challenging challenge for the system of education in the world? What is the problem that everyone is facing? What is that challenge? that?
1: Well, you know, I do think there's quite some variability across countries, uh, but overall uh, most countries, or at least the countries that perform well on systems like PISA, have become good at teaching subject matter content. I think uh, that is something that is well established. The biggest challenge really is is around creative skills, imagination. Uh, Our education systems are very good to, you know, transmit the established wisdom of our times to the next generation. They're not good enough often to help people question the established wisdom of our times, and that's when society moves forward, when you can sort of think around the next corner, when you can actually, you know, be aware and open to the novelty, In school, we learn to learn, but sometimes it's also important to unlearn and relearn when the context changes. And I think education uh, is the industrial education that we created was mainly about making people compliant with specific ways of thinking. I think in the future we need to put more emphasis on divergent thinking, helping people to think across the boundaries of subject better disciplines, connecting the dots where the next big idea and innovation is going to come from. Uh, we need to teach people more thinking about you know, the needs of others, being aware of other people. Now, that's something in, in a global interconnected world. I think this pandemic is, is a perfect you know, master of teaching this. Now, basically uh, our collective success doesn't depend just on ourselves, it depends on other people's behavior. So, I think climate change, you know, they're all issues where we need to be much, build much greater awareness of the longer term well being of others. You know,
0: um, know you've mentioned uh, the pandemic situation. In this regard, I'd like to ask you um, because. A lot of schools all over the world had to move from, you know, class to distance learning. From your point of view, what are the advantages and disadvantages of distance learning?
1: Well, I think the pandemic has hugely disrupted our education model now. It has thrown 1.5 billion students around the world out of their schools, their comfortable environment where learning used to take place. I think what those young people understand is that learning is not a place but an activity. Um, The second thing I think many people have understood in the pandemic is that learning is not a transactional phenomenon where you just absorb knowledge from somebody else. Where teachers, you know, are broadcasting knowledge and students absorb it. Uh, Learning is very much a relational phenomenon. What young people are going to take away from the pandemic is You know, who was the teacher who understood my dreams and passion, you know, who supported me, who reached out to me, who connected with me when I was at home struggling on my own. For students who had, you know, the right learning strategies, the motivation, the good technical support, parental support, teacher support, for them, actually, this pandemic was maybe liberating and exciting. You know, uh, learning in a new environment, being challenged, being master of your own learning processes but for the many young people who had been spoon fed by their teachers who learned little chunks and bits of knowledge that they may not really have owned fully who did not have the right learning strategies uh, who had no uh, parental support for them they were left very badly behind so in a way what the pandemic has done in education is to amplify the many inadequacies and inequities in education if you, as a teacher, you know, were used to just you know stand in front of a classroom and tell students something, suddenly you were out of business. If you, as a teacher, were used to be a good mentor, a good coach, a good facilitator, a good evaluator, where knew you knew each and every of your students how they learn differently, you had a fantastic opportunity to redesign learning. So again, this pandemic has exasperated those teachers who were at the frontier suddenly could become much more imaginative, creative designers of innovative learning environment. But those teachers who remained in the tradition in the past had a very, very hard time during this pandemic.
0: And uh, continue talking about the teachers. Um, I'd like to ask you, from your point of view, what should be the social security of the teacher and working conditions so they could manifest uh, the best of their personal and professional qualities and could help their children to do the same.
1: Yeah, you know I think when we talk about Social Security we talk very quickly about you know salaries and working conditions and so on and I do think that is important but uh, I think it's not just it's not enough to make teaching financially attractive. We need to make teaching intellectually more attractive. We need to give teachers themselves opportunities to learn, to work with their colleagues, to work with a high degree of professional autonomy, and yet in a collaborative culture. I do think that is what will drive the future of the teaching profession. Yes, you need a good salary. Yes, you need stable working conditions, but most of all, you need an environment where you can work as a true professional, uh, where you are not an exchangeable figure on an assembly line you know doing what everybody else does, but where you as a teacher own your professional standards For me, you know that is the most important part of the work environment. One of the things I'm very greatly concerned with is that the social status of the teaching profession has declined, even when salaries have risen teachers have less respect and for me that is the fundamental problem that we have today and to to raise the aspiration of teaching we need to make this work intellectually more attractive. School of course is a place where students learn but school must also be a place where teachers can learn and grow and develop and you know find inspiration for their future career.
0: Um... Yes, and I would like to add here, and please I will make like a, a little conclusion here about intellectual attractiveness and please correct me if I'm a little wrong. So, intellectual attractiveness is also means um, the culture of self-improvement and personal professional improvement of every teacher which should be life-long. Please share with us this culture of This personal culture of self-improvement, both personally and professionally, how important is it for a teacher and should the teacher uh, develop the same culture of self-improvement or let's say the culture of excellence in the children?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, everything is about learning, it's not about teaching and uh, as a teacher, you know, you need to understand how students learn and how different students learn differently and to actually embrace that with differentiated pedagogical strategies. And that means every day you as a teacher need to learn. Some education systems are very good in facilitating this. If you look to Europe, you know countries like Estonia, Finland have a strong culture of lifelong and life-wide development for their teachers. If you look to Asia, countries like China, like Singapore, You work actually, you teach much fewer hours than a teacher in the Ukraine in those countries, but you work more hours, but you spend so much more time outside the classroom working with your colleagues to observe each other's kind of classrooms, to design new practices, to design new technologies for learning in the future. As a teacher, you you are also a social worker for your students. You spend a lot more time Uh, to help students in their individual lives than just helping them learn something in the classroom. So um, there's a very different vision of what it means to be a teacher across countries. And some countries have made teaching a very, very attractive profession in Finland. You know, despite so, so salary, salaries in Finland for teachers are not very good, but you have about 10 applications for every teaching job. Everybody wants to become a teacher because it is such an inspiring and Intellectually rewarding profession.
0: Yes, and respected profession. I've been to Finland. Uh, we were studying their education experience, and uh, we did heard a lot that indeed the teacher and the prof- and the teacher's professor is very much respected in Finland. Uh, professor Schlehe, um in this regard, you were mentioning various countries about how the teachers, the schools. Uh, from your experience. What is an ideal school and an ideal teacher, in your opinion? Please share with us.
1: It's a very hard question to answer because I think the answer will depend very much on the context and uh, at, the, at the stage of, of the development of a country, but uh, an ideal school for me is a place of learning where actually students are understood in their in all of their needs, not just in their intellectual need, where actually they feel that's a second home that's a feel uh, they feel this is a space which is inspiring where they do not just learn on their own where they learn with their classmates where they engage in innovative pedagogy you know learn, work on projects together i think that's something that is very very important for me when i talk about teachers you know when we want to facilitate 21st century learning where students Uh, become creative designers, where they manage to resolve tensions and dilemmas, where they learn to navigate ambiguity. That, of course, commands a learning environment where students can experiment. If they experiment, they need to take risks. If they take risks, they will make mistakes. It's an environment that needs to be good at helping students learn from and with their own mistakes. And that requires teachers who are actually very open to different ways of learning, different ways of where, where teachers are good coaches, good mentors, good facilitators. A school where exams are not at the end of the school year, lumping everything together, but where assessment and learning are firmly integrated where every day students get feedback on how to you know, learn better, where every day teachers get feedback on how to teach be- better. And how. And the other part I think that's also very important is where schools are typically very good to keep students inside and the rest of the world outside. You know? And I think the future school will be integrating the society and learning much more closely. The world of work and the world of learning will be much closer integrated so that... It is not an abstract world disconnected from the real needs of our societies, but schools really become the center of our societies because you know our schools today will be our society tomorrow.
0: Truly, exactly. And uh, the school of the future you've mentioned, Uh, from your point of view, uh, in the school of the future, should there be more competition? like we have right now in the class between pupils and the teachers or there should be more cooperation between pupils, teachers and like in this environment or there should be some kind of a balance between competition and cooperation. What do you think?
1: You know, we shouldn't see competition and collaboration as opposing ends of a spectrum. You know, competition and collaboration are two sides of the same coin. In fact, you know, when you look at sports. Sports is a good example where collaboration and competition are perfectly integrated. Yes, you do compete for the best ideas, for the best, you know, uh, but you also always do that in collaboration with others. Uh, uh, I think we should see them, these not as opposing kind of paradigms, but it's something that we will both need to develop. We need to have the struggle, the strive for the best idea and uh, working with others for the best ideas. Um, and I think there are many learning environments where we can actually achieve that today.
0: Fantastic. Um, I would like to continue talking about the society also and the role of the school. We briefly mentioned it already and especially the school of the future. Uh, right now in the world, unfortunately, we have um, a lot of types of different conflicts. Right? military conflicts, economic conflicts, financial, religious... In the schools there are some kind of conflicts between pupils, bullying, whatever, you can mention it. Uh, From your point of view, should it be in the school of the future, or in the creative society as we call it, such even a word as conflict? And And if we still have so many types of conflicts in the world, maybe the school is not doing its job right or in full what do you think about this issue
1: well you know i think uh there will always be tensions and dilemmas that we need to resolve you know what's the uh, you know right balance between equity and freedom between you know uh coherence and uh individual aspirations i think there are many Tensions and dilemmas, uh, they will not go away. I think what we need to uh, do better in schooling is to help young people navigate those tensions and dilemmas. Uh, uh, You know, start with school bullying. School is the very first place where you experience the diversity of society. You meet other people with other ideas and other dreams and other aspirations. And I think schools should do better to help young people see those differences, be aware of them. And uh, I think if we learn to do that in school, it will be easier to do that later in our lives. Because, uh, you know, many conflicts arise uh, because we're not even aware of the ideas and ways of thinking of other people. And the more we learn to achieve that in school, not just, you know, build people into one you know paradigm, one way of thinking, one culture, but also create maybe cross-cultural awareness. Uh,
0: it's not, It doesn't mean you- that. And from your point of view, what is the origin in this regard of all conflicts?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, part of the origin is, you know, uh, you know objective tensions in our societies. You know, if there is inequality in the distribution of, of, of goods, in, uh, then I think it will create tensions in our society. But I do think the origin is... To, 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 to some extent, simply our lack of awareness. We see ourselves, we know our own way of thinking, and we are often not familiar and receptive to other ways of thinking, other ways of working. And I think that's something that we can develop, and that I think will help us understand and resolve and manage conflicts. It's not about avoiding it, it's about managing and resolving it.
0: Um, You've mentioned tensions that we do have in the society, in the school's differences. Let me ask you a question in this regard. Let's imagine you have an opportunity, let's say with the snap of the finger, to create the righteous society where every person would live comfortably and happily. What aspects would you begin?
1: You know, the hardest, but perhaps most important issue is around uh, values. Uh, If we do not have a shared idea of human dignity, it's going to be very difficult to create a world that is harmonious, where people feel well. It's sort of, if you do not build a solid floor under your feet and under the feet of children in school, they will build walls during their whole life. You know, I think that is the the problem. So I think helping people to build a solid understanding of themselves and of others. You know, if you think about it, our schools have become very good to teach you everything about the world. You know, even about faraway planets. But actually, school has not really helped us a lot to understand ourselves. And I do think that is very, very important to understand ourselves, understand others, to create a more harmonious and uh, creative world. This is, I think, what uh, human consciousness is, what is the biggest differentiator to artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is a great amplifier, a great accelerator. It amplifies good ideas and good practice in the same way it amplifies bad ideas and bad practice. But that human capacity to distinguish between right and wrong, good and bad, you know, that is about uh, values. I think that's something that we need to develop very early on, where you lack that foundation, I think you uh, really are in trouble in the 21st century. Because, you know, in the past, this question did not arise. In the past, you could always look to people who are around you, you could look to older people. Now you could follow their kind of footsteps because uh, they had been in that same place before. In the world of today, you you no longer know whether what older people tell you is, you know, timeless wisdom or outdated practice because the world is changing so fast. So I think focusing on uh, core human values I think is the most difficult thing in education, but I do believe the most important aspect.
0: Let me continue asking the question in this regard about uh, human values. If we look at the world, let's say from the space we understand now the, and we are saying so that this is indeed one big village and. Thanks to you know, internet, to other technological devices, we can communicate with each other. You are in Paris, we are in Kiev, and we can communicate you know, live without any obstacles or differences. Uh, but about the world, if um, we remove uh, differences like nationalities, language barriers, uh, religious or political affiliations, and we leave a human, and continue talking about the values what are these human values which unite us and what are these universal values which every single person shares
1: well you know it's probably at the core is human uh, dignity you now that we have uh, respect for ourselves have respect for others and uh, you know it's not about you know excluding religion. But I do think what uh, probably we should become better, at is to uh, learn about other religions too, not just our own. You know, in fact, uh, I think uh, identity and agency are often created by having a broad world. Vo- you know, you know, the moment uh, you learn to, under- to really understand your own language is the moment you learn a foreign language. You know, that's the moment you start to think about grammar because uh, about the ideas of language. Before that, you know, that language is so natural to you, you never think about it. And I think the same is true with concepts, you know, like religion. If you actually, it doesn't mean, you know, you should give up your own way of, of, of living and your own religion. But if you're aware of other religions, if you can see yourself through the lens of other perspectives, you will be much better positioned in yourself. You understand yourself much better and you can actually not just tolerate, but live with other people who who think differently, who work differently. Uh, You can uh, make that same argument in the, you know, the academic disciplines. You want to be able to think like a scientist, but you also want to be able to think like an artist and see the world through those different lenses. I think the more uh, open you are to different perspectives, the more you will you know, be, actually learn from each other. In fact, you know, I think that was Europe's greatest strength. If you think about the Renaissance, the moment when Europe began to flourish, it was when people from all corners of the world came together and actually, you know, contrast, cheek, learn from and with each other. I think we have, uh, unfortunately, today, you said, you know, technology connects us. I think that's true. But it also creates even more echo chambers. You know, uh, technology connects you with people who think like you, who work like you, who look like you, and actually it makes it harder to reach out to people who are different. For me that's one of the fundamental roles of schools, that's the place where actually that, you know, pushes people together from different worldviews and I think we should do better in capitalizing on that.
0: Professor Fleer, Um International Public Movement Talatra is 100% a volunteering movement. We have representatives and volunteers all over the world in more than 180 countries. And in, I believe in absolutely every single city in the world. Um, what, would you, what kind of message would you like to those people who are watching us, especially to educators? Uh, what would you like to say to them?
1: Well, you know, I think the people who are part of this movement are probably sharing many of uh, the ideas that I highlighted because I think those people will be aware of the world, they will be aware of you know different ways of of, of thinking, um, but you know I think it 's important to reach up beyond. I think uh, my main message really is to ensure that we encourage and enable most people around us to actually. Uh, have that same opportunity.
0: Thank you. And uh, we also uh, have a tradition uh, during our interviews uh, to ask our speakers to give the floor to other people who he or she would like to recommend to continue the dialogue about creative society and global token education. Could you please name a couple of people, let's say, with whom we can contact on your behalf to continue the dialogue about the creative society and education. Can you name these people, please?
1: Yeah, if you look for in the Western world, you know, someone like uh, Michael Fullen from Canada, Uh, if you look in the Eastern part of the world, someone like Kaiming Cheng uh, from Hong Kong, I think uh, they would offer uh, uh, fascinating perspectives on this concept of the creative society.
0: Thank you very much, we will definitely contact them. Uh, Dear viewers, uh, if you'd like to learn more about the project Creative Society, we are inviting you to visit our website which is called alatraunites.com. Right now uh, you can see this uh, website on your screen. In the upper uh, right corner there is a button uh, called join us. You can click on it. And there you will see a form, a short form uh, that you can fill out in one of the languages you feel comfortable and send us the message. And we will definitely contact you for further communication. To our viewers, I would like to say that today uh, we had a fantastic, from my point of view, it's a truly fantastic uh, conversation with Professor Anders Schleher. Professor Schleher, I honestly ran out of questions and I do hope uh, that we can continue communicating with you and next time uh, speak more about PISA testing and other challenges that we're having right now in the world about education. Thank you very much for joining us today and it was my pleasure.
1: Thank you. It was a true pleasure and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much, Professor.